0: Welcome to the Westland Free Methodist Church Podcast, where we're uniting with Jesus to restore lives to joy-filled wholeness. If this is your first time to join us, or your tenth time, we're glad to have you. If you believe in Jesus or you don't, we're excited you're joining us. If you're living in the joy-filled wholeness, or you're not, this is the place for you. Hello and welcome to the podcast today. I'm excited to have you joining us, um, if you're joining us at home, or in your car, or just listening on your phone, or wherever it is, we're glad to have you with us. Today we're going to be talking about um, the word walk. Before we get into that, you may be thinking, oh, I don't like to, to run, much less walk all over the place, or or could be any number of things going through your brain, uh, just remind you, we we'd like to focus on tools for transformation. As a part of our podcast discussion, we talk about being mobilized. How are we being mobilized for the mission? How is God mobilizing individuals? We interview people uh, uh, every other week for that process. And then we also, sometimes we have a weekly word. And I specifically want to spend some time on uh, the weekly word portion today, getting into the word walk. If you've been following us at all on Sunday mornings or in other spaces, uh, we've been going through the book of Colossians, and the word walk uh, shows up multiple times um, in this text. Uh, it shows up in chapter 1, shows up again into chapter 2, and it actually shows up, the same root word shows up again at the end of the book as well. Uh, so I want to, for example, I just turned to the beginning of Colossians chapter 1 so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This word walk, Uh, and the Greek word is peripeteo, um, for those who are curious. You can go look that up and study that word if you want to. I really want to look at the idea of walking across all of Scripture, um, because it plays an important role in your relationship with Jesus. And particularly walking in relation to God. Not just, oh, so-and-so's walking with so-and-so. Oh, that's not the same thing. That's That kind of language of walking is used all throughout the Bible. Uh, you know, uh, Joseph and his brothers were walking. That's not helpful. But we see, what does it look like when it we see people walking with God in relation? What is that referencing in? What does that mean, and how can we unpack that? So first, just big picture, you want to know who all the main characters. There's only really two words that all of these main characters in the Old Testament and New Testament have in common. It's the word walk. You go back to Noah. Well, go back to Adam and Eve. They walked with God in the garden. <laughs> and then Noah. Noah. The next major character, after Adam and Eve, they're cast out of the garden. Before the, the flood comes, you know what it says? It says, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Now, God was no longer walking in the flesh, walking in a garden like he was with Adam and Eve. and that's So with Noah, all of a sudden, it's not meaning a literal walking per se but he's got this ongoing thing. To walk with someone someone is not the same as I jumped with them. To jump with someone, you jump one time and the jump is over. Or we continually jump, but then you have to add more words. Walk implies a journey, uh, something you're doing together. There's a time commitment involved. If I were to ask you today, would you like to go on a walk with me? The implication would mean you're going to set aside some time and we're going to actually take time together and effort. And there's a relationship involved in walking. Walking is not something... I don't go to the mall and just start walking around and there's other people walking and I'm walking and I don't say that's us walking with each other. We're walking in proximity to one another, but we're not walking with. So it starts with Adam and Noah. A little farther in with Noah, you see it with Abraham, one of the very first fathers of the Jewish faith and the Christian faith. Abraham, you know what God says to him when he first shows up, before he's called him to leave his family? He says, walk with me. Walk before me and be blameless. Abraham, walk You're going to walk with me in this journey. And we get chapters and chapters of God and Abraham journeying their relationship. We see that same thing with Abraham's family. As you get into Jacob and others and ultimately all the way to Moses. That Moses walks with God. And even one of the commandments, not the Ten Commandments, if you will. But one of the commands from the Lord unto the people of Israel is walk before me and be blameless, holy unto the Lord. This idea of walking shows up again. So you got it through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the big names who are all part of major covenants. Adam to Noah has a covenant. Abraham is a covenant. Moses is a covenant. You even get it with David. Walking with God. That language is used with David. And don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it's even used with Joshua. That one I don't remember 100%. But you see all of these major characters and minor ones in the faith as well, but just making the point, this walking imagery of people in that implies relationship, it's not a, a judge and a jury distance thing. But it's actually implying something deeper. Then we move to the New Testament. And what does Jesus do? He moves into our neighborhood, as the message paraphrase text uh, translates John chapter 1. He comes and dwells among us. Why is that? What does he literally spend the majority of his life and ministry doing? Walking with people. Walk. And you see in the letter of letters of Paul, you can see it in other letters, but specifically where we've been in Colossians, where Paul is saying, okay, walk with God. It's something that we often don't use that language as much as we probably should in our relationship with Jesus and in others' relationship with Jesus. We said, well, have you decided to follow Jesus? That's not bad. But even the language follow implies there's an ongoing thing. A disciple was a follower after literally someone who walked with their teacher and learned from and sought to mimic, had to be close to, you couldn't be a disciple and be at a distance from your teachers. Walking is all over the idea of a relationship with Jesus. And so as we are, we've unpacked Colossians some over the last six, eight weeks, however many weeks. <laughs> That's really what it is to become fully mature as a follower of Jesus, is to walk more and more have this relationship. Really, the only people I can say that I usually walk with in life in this season are are those in my family and those I work with. Some people, ideally in the church, you're walking with people. I'm not talking physically right now. You're walking with each each other, sharing what's going on in lives, helping each other look more and more like Jesus. But just practically people, every day they walk with the people in their family and they walk with the people in their uh, work circumstances. And if you're not walking with people who look like Jesus and walking with Jesus himself, inviting the Holy Spirit to change your heart, then you're going to get burned out. I don't know if you've ever realized this, but if you walk with people physically long enough, you know what happens? You start to walk in sync with them. If you spend relationally enough time with someone, you start to use similar words and language. To the point where sometimes those words, if they become mainstream, even make their way into a dictionary that wasn't initially a word. But it becomes so normal to everyone else because more and more people start using it and people in relationship to them start using it and it rubs off. If you walk with Jesus and with others who are walking with Jesus, it's going to rub off. You're going to look more and more like Jesus, not because you're trying harder, but because you're closer with him. Now, the implications of this are People who walk with you, you're going to affect them. So, a final implication that I think we all need to wrestle with Am I impacting the people around me to walk and look more like Jesus? Or am I actually reflecting? And as they walk with me, they're looking less like Jesus. Maybe that's your family. Your son, your daughter, your grandchild. Jesus, I need to have a little self-reflection. Am I walking with you in a way where my son, daughter, grandchild, my parents look at me and Man, I, I want that. I want to look more like that. I want to mimic him or her as they mimic Christ and and are growing in him. Or is the fruit of the people who are walking with me, are they spending less time in the word on their own? Less time in prayer, in the fellowship, with the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's the fruit of the people who are around me that I'm rubbing off on? Are they more angry, frustrated, bitter, anxious, annoyed? Maybe I need to ask myself, am I I walking with Jesus? Because the people I'm walking with? And hear me out for a minute. I'm not saying that you're not supposed to be called to walk with people who are going through junk. Absolutely, Jesus does that all the time. What I am suggesting is as you walk with those people and as Jesus in you reflects on them especially if they know Christ then they're going to start looking more like Jesus because they're going to start to look more like you if you look like Jesus. It's rubbing off because you walk together spend time together in life. So if the people you actually spend time together in life are not looking more and more like Jesus. I'm not talking about the, to put it nicely, just the outward appearance. But if they're not actually exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, may also be some time to have self-reflection. Jesus said, it's even worse for us if we lead other people astray. So I need to check my walk to know as to how I am make sure I'm not leading someone else astray by the heart posture or the words I'm saying or the things I'm speaking about others or, or something or someone. They impact us. That's our weekly word moment for today, and hopefully that also gives you a way to somewhat be mobilized um, for the mission Um, in regards to how to live this out in your life. Really spend more intimate time with Jesus, and the people around you will take notice. And over time, they'll start to mimic the things that the Lord is doing in your life, and or if they don't have Jesus, they'll want him. If they don't, then you need to ask yourself, okay, maybe they just don't want Jesus. But they could be they don't want the Jesus that you're presenting. Maybe it's because of your maybe not actually looking like the holy, loving God who comes alongside the broken and the sinful and the outcasts. And loves them in it all. And loves the church in it all too. In the junk of it all. I want to give you a final tool. Um, both to be mobilized and to help you radiate Jesus. And It's very practical. okay? Jesus himself sent his disciples out. Two by two. We get into the letters of Paul and Peter. They went out sometimes in three or four people with it. It didn't go out alone. I find it ironic that even in Colossians 4, Paul is in prison with another Christian. You know, he couldn't even be in prison by himself, if you will. That's a joke. (laughs) But the tool I'd like to give you for today is to write down a recent story of what Jesus has done in your life. I'm not talking about writing down your testimony from 25 years ago or even 10 years ago. That's good. You can write that down as well. And that may be something that the Lord stirs you up to share. But write down something that the Lord's really done in your life more recently too. Maybe it is that recently you've accepted Jesus. Write that down. Great. From that, have one person you trust another follower of Jesus. The two of you get together you both write down, and you share what you've written. Share it through a couple of different times. doesn't mean to be super long, like one to two to three, four minutes maybe. It needs to be five minutes, great, but it can be one minute long. But it's really asking Jesus, what is it you've done? And, and, and then practicing sharing that with someone so that you're not completely fumbling over your words initially you're starting to eliminate some of the human elements Say, Jesus is wanting me to share this potentially. So I'm going to practice sharing it with someone I trust who knows me and will listen and with grace say, you know what? That sounded great. I have no idea how this thing fit in that you said. You'd be like, oh, I didn't actually say how that fit at all. A good catch. And you're not going to carry this written thing around to share with anyone. It's to help you. But then the second step is after you've practiced a little, you each begin to praying about who's one person, Jesus, in my regular sphere that you'd want me to share this with. There's one person. You start to give me clarity. Give a couple weeks, maybe a month, to come back, and between the two of you, this is the one person God's put on my heart. Say, cool, over the next few weeks slash month, I'm going to talk to them, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to show me when, and then I'm going to respond. And then your partner follows up with you. After a few weeks, you kind of stay in touch. Hey, I was able to talk to him. I'd love to to meet back up and let you know how it went. And actually have some follow-up. Be able to share with each other what went well. Like, Oh, he accepted Jesus. Or actually, he didn't want anything to do, so that's good for you. That's fine. Jesus tells his disciples there are going to be people who don't listen to them. And these are people who actually walked with Jesus in the flesh. And there were still others who didn't listen. But it's important to come back and reflect on how did it go? Maybe you just planted the seed. Maybe you got to actually see a sprout and say, oh, Jesus is doing something. Share it with the other person. You've prayed through. If you do that on a consistent basis, what I just talked about could happen in two weeks or two months. And then you just have that person, or maybe you invite another one or two in, and you just start to have this rhythm of praying, Lord, who do you want me to share what you're doing in my life with recently? He starts to put in my heart, everyone else on the in the either your partner or your, your group starts to pray for that one person by name, first name. Then you feel like, okay, in the next few weeks I'm going to be talking to him. You talk to him. Now the Lord's going before you pray, people are praying before you. You feel a a depth of the Lord's prevenient grace in all of this, and you've kind of actively been writing down and reflecting and remembering what God has done in your life recently. Uh, It's just a practical tool to help you radiate Jesus. Uh, I've used it in seasons of life, and I would be open for that again. If there's a partner out there listening or a group out there listening, maybe that's something we could all do together. In the near future, if we all do that, we're going to see more kingdom fruit. Not because we try harder, but because we're listening to the Spirit and we're open. Well, that's it for our podcast this week. Uh, Hope you enjoyed our conversation. Hope all of this helps you to walk more deeply with Jesus. And in turn, walk alongside others and their walk with Christ. We'll see you next time. Here at Westland Free Methodist Church, we are led by the Spirit, rooted in the Word, mobilized for the mission, committed to our neighbors, and bonded through holy friendship. If you have questions about Jesus or our community of faith, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to get in touch with you. For everyone else here, we reiterate the same thing that Jesus told his disciples. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, this world needs you. You are sent.